Open your eyes and look into the darkness. Something strange is moving. Something grave and sinister. Something paranormal. Something ghostly. That sends shivers down your spine. It is children with cult class with your house, Caitlin. Welcome to Chillin' with Cult Class. My name's Caitlin, and this is where we talk about everything spooky, strange, and unexplained. It is almost Thanksgiving for us. Love Thanksgiving. It is the best holiday, I think. I think when you guys will listen to this, it will Thanksgiving will have passed. Right. But aside from any historical blips... Uh, just the idea of Thanksgiving of just eating and having no expectations and no gifts right. and no uh, real plans. I, the expectations, I think you nailed it. Yeah, I, you know, it's just you show up or you you host and it's like fun. It's an all day thing. You cook, you eat, you hang out, and then it's done. And it starts at like 1 p.m. <laughs> Love that. Love that. I'm an early day kind of person and I know you are too. So the idea of like having everything over by like five o'clock and in bed by like seven, eight or nine is like a dream. It's a dream. You don't have to go anywhere. Well, I'll go anywhere, but. Well, we're hosting, so we don't have to go anywhere, but. Uh, it is, it's, it's not like Halloween, you're up late, right. Christmas is so much expectation, yep. uh, I do love Halloween, but there's just something so mellow about Thanksgiving. It is. It's just, it's so food-centric, and I think anyone, <laughs> I think that's it. everyone yeah. can get on board with that. Oh my gosh, and it's, the food is, <laughs> isn't there something in Turkey that makes you sleep? It starts with like a D, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like this chemical that makes you I want you to say tired. dopamine, but that's for sure not right. No, no, that's, it's not that. It's like something that makes you happy. Something, something or other, but yeah, it's like, it's like, a, it's like shown to make you tired. It's, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, so, and I don't even eat that canned cranberry stuff, like in my life, I don't even know what that is, but every oh, the jelly. Thanksgiving, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it. Like, yeah. I don't know what that's made and of. And you gotta, in, it's like the f homemade stuff, it's just not, I don't, you, I gotta see the ribs of the tin can on the thing, <laughs> <laughs> whenever I, or in slices of it, you know, yes, on the, just like a, like a paper plate, that's all I need. <laughs> and that's, that's, it's like, I don't, it's not even jelly. Like it's not even like it comes out like preserve. I don't like preserve it. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I love it. It's the best. Yeah, I don't. And know. I love cranberries this time of year. I don't eat cranberries really. There's the rest not of the year. another day of the year that I eat cranberries. Yeah. You know, except you know. I don't even like since I was a kid. I don't drink cranberry. I mean, cranberry juice. I think is good for UTIs <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> that but and otherwise, like alcoholic mixing drinks. You oh know, that's yeah, about I don't it. drink. Yeah, okay, but, so. Anyway, I'm on the cranberry train. Yeah, that's So, right. pumped about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving! Love it. So, that's all to say. I hope you guys ate a lot of cranberry, turkey, whatever you like, and had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if you're not in the United States, then I just hope you had a wonderful weekend and were able to chill, because it's coming out on Sunday night. Otherwise, there's not much that's been going on, I feel like, for us. Nick... For anybody who's new to the podcast, Nick is my husband. He 
kind of does a producer role of the show. He helped me research a lot of this stuff that we're going to cover today, and he gives me good feedback and kind of keeps me on track. <laughs> um, and God bless. Oh no, you do all you do all the heavy lifting. That's God bless it. Nick. So uh, he's here to hang out with me all the time, and he's always searching stuff in the background. And um, right now he has our movie club pick of this week picked out and up on his screen, and I can't wait to share why we picked that movie. You know, I've made some some choices uh, that I'm stuck with. I'm I'm stuck here. (laughs) I'm like the dead cat, right? This whole night we've been worrying. uh, There's some dark version of us out there somewhere. What if we're the dark version? Last week's movie club pick was the movie Coherence that came out in 2013. And this movie, I picked this movie because I think it's one of the most original sci-fi movies I have ever seen, hands down. It's a brilliantly written script. It's hard to wrap your head around in a way. And so, like, I don't even know if it's so well-written or, <laughs> or I'm just so, like so unaware of what's going on and and it's so incomprehensible that like maybe nothing makes sense and that's the thing with time travel movies is like time travel or dimension movies like this it's like time travel to us doesn't really make sense anyway you you can't really comprehend it because there's really nothing to compare it to right exactly yeah yeah it's like like uh, Looper is one of my favorite time travel movies, mm-hmm. and such a good movie. Yeah, and this wasn't a time travel movie, but it's the same kind of concept of like time and space and yes, um, yeah. duplicates altered dimensions. Yeah, alternate dimensions. Yeah. And when you sit and think about these movies, and I know my sister in law is gonna watch this movie. She told me she was like, she doesn't like horror movies, but she told me she was like, I'm gonna be brave enough to watch Coherence because it's not <laughs> a horror movie. Um, and she says she's a a mechanical engineer and she's always like Caitlin these movies just don't really make yeah, she sense. Really tries to, yeah, make sense of <laughs> because in the world. And, she's yeah. smart and it's like there is no path with like time travel and dimensions because we don't know. Right, and so like yeah, Looper, yeah. when I watch that, it's like when you really think about it, you're like, wait, are, but aren't they in a loop? And if they're in a loop, then aren't they? You know, and you start <laughs> thinking and then all of a sudden it's like, sense. wait, how does this movie even start and end and what are we doing? And right. that's kind of how this movie feels. And I hope my mm-hmm. sister-in-law liked it and didn't overthink it because if you overthink it, I think your brain just goes to mush. Yeah. But and it's um, easy to do, I feel like, with this film. It is a it is a heady one. From it's the a get, he- from the get out. You know? Heady's the word. Totally. Yeah. We turned it on. So I've seen it before and we turned it on this morning just to recap before we yeah. recorded the podcast. And I said to I turned to Nick, it was like five AM and I was like, this is way too early for this movie. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm like, this is like it's like kinda disturbing. Yeah. My brain's not functioning at this level at this point. Yeah. It's like what what just happened? There's, is that what's going on? <laughs> there's duplicate people showing up in different houses. <laughs> yeah, with the color coded uh uh what are those called? The uh crack things with the light. Oh with the the um glow sticks. Glow sticks, yeah. So you gotta like keep track of where they are and Yeah, and and some you know, one's an alcoholic ones, not, not ones, ones cheating ones, not, not like yet. it's like all like it's so a big puzzle. It's a big puzzle. Yeah. It's a really smart movie. I think you know, Agreed. just smart in the in terms of like 
these is so many movies are remakes or it's sequels so these original. days. It's so original. Yeah, yeah it, it stands out, you know, in and of itself, so well. So well, and it, it, it's funny because most sci-fi friends that I have, I think this movie came out really low distribution. Like the first time I watched it, I think it was on YouTube. Oh, but, really? Yeah. yeah, but most sci-fi friends I know have watched it because it's just so good. Yeah, I remember you showed it to me a few years back, and I had I had never even heard of it. That's how I like date people. <laughs> that was my that was my uh, courting of Nick. I'm like, hey, check out this movie. <laughs> Such a disturbed person. <laughs> No, that's so good. Because I remember after watching it way back when, whenever that was, 200 years ago, whenever we first met, yeah. and uh, thinking kind of similar thoughts to this morning, like that, whoa. I just What's know, wrong with this girl? That what I'm is doing? wrong with this girl? That's <laughs> what I was thinking. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, it's 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 so original. Yeah, just really have to kind of, it's not a movie you can really like bend your phone for. I feel like no. you really have to give like your full undivided uh-uh. attention. Yeah. And um, you really get a, you know, a payback for it. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, but it, you do have to give it your all. Yeah. Okay, so let's boil, like let's get into the movie. So some of you have messaged me so far about the movie. Granted, we still have like, this is, I'm pre-recording this, so there are a few days left and a lot of you have messaged me today about watching it tonight and stuff. A lot of you uh, said you liked it, that it's heady. I think it's much deeper than I thought it was, or I remembered it to be, like with all the relationships of the characters. Oh, yes. Yeah, and how the girl was like a ballerina and how she like lost, lost. her like future yeah. b- because of her ego. And and, replaced- yeah, exactly. And everybody's like, like, the kind of like failed actor career mm-hmm. and like the that guy, alcohol yeah. thing yeah. and like um, that girl that they bring to the party Amir brings to the party and oh yeah uh, there's just a lot of a lot oh and the and the possibility of drugs I like oh, that they gosh. introduce that yes yes there's yes. the friend you know the, the friend who the, shows yeah. up with drugs this is like <laughs> so such a token friend <laughs> like she's like oh we did it once like they'll oh, just yeah. show up I didn't put it in your food I promise oh yeah I know <laughs> but yeah but that was so funny whenever that became a possibility it was like oh maybe that's where this went I was well yeah I, you know because I, I didn't really remember much of the movie they do tease that they and do, it is yeah. kind of like are they just all on drugs right. like what is this which totally could have been a play of the movie you know yes and then i think when they all see each other now these this is spoilers and it's not totally going to make sense anyway so you could probably still listen but if you plan on watching this i i advise just jump ahead a couple minutes but when they see each other across the street oh yeah yeah yeah. it's like what You know, because they start saying like the guy's kind of disturbed. He's like, I peeked in the window and I swear I saw you or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then as they they start to venture out together and more frequently, mm-hmm. that's when they start seeing each other. They use some example. I don't know. We can cut this if this doesn't make sense. They they said some example in the movie about uh, a bird and poison being in a shoebox while the lid was on it. There's the possibility of the bird surviving and not eating the poison or drinking the poison and then the bird eating the poison and and being dead in the box both existing at the same time but when you take the lid off of the box that's where it becomes like a singular reality oh because then you know the answer right so both can exist parallel to each other but once you release it the lid one only becomes as an outcome wow yeah Oh, I'm happy somebody was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, okay, so 
And so that's when they're talking about the convergence yes. and yeah. I mean coherence, coherence. Yeah, yeah. and everything converging. Mm-hmm. And right, right, right. so the guy is like, I'm gonna, uh, Mike is like, I'm going to go kill myself because my alternate version of myself is going to be insane. Yes. And want to kill me first. And want to kill me first, right. which is an odd thing because I don't think that like if I had a double person yeah. version of myself, I don't think that I would instantly think that my double version of myself would want to kill me. Yeah. Cause like what would happen to you if you killed yourself? You know how? <laughs> yeah. It's not a very smart yeah. way of thinking. Yeah. Cause it's all such an unknown anyways. And so, and, and all the friends react and they're like, why would you like want to kill yourself but like you're that version of you but then he explains that he was an alcoholic and he's kind of his that version of him could be crazy right but so that sort of propels them into this weird situation where all of a sudden the houses are starting to mix right so and yeah people from each universes will call them you know started to cross dimension yeah, and stuff and, better, but yeah. right it's just a head trip <laughs> i love it yeah, it's yeah. a good movie it's great and the ending whoo yeah. I don't really have a ton more to say about this movie because it's so, it's like, I was watching it again and I was like, oh, there's a clue. There's like, when, yeah. when she repeated the line, though, like, I got it from the boutique oh, galaxy or whatever, yeah. uh, she which had said that before. she had said before, mm-hmm. if you watch it again, you're like, oh, you get these little clues of like, who's who and what's happening. Yeah. But it's such a trip that, um, this isn't like a normal movie that we would discuss because it's not a linear plot and it's sure. a little... Wild. So I want to hear what you guys think of it. You can always email us at chillinwithcultclass at gmail.com. You can DM us at chillinwithcult.class on Instagram. And I have some trivia facts about the movie. This is from imdb.com. Oh, I also meant to mention the aspect of a comet. And the fact that this comet is going over their heads is why their cell phone screens start cracking and why this weird stuff is happening. And she, there's this foreshadowing where she's like, I read this weird story once where this lady killed her husband and she said it wasn't him, like from a comet. So anyway, we're going to get into the comet stuff in just a bit, but here's the trivia. Instead of scripts, the actors would each receive a small paragraph that only they would see as their goals for the day. This allowed for the story to unfold naturally and create genuine reactions in the other actors. So they had no script, they just... That's so cool. Yeah, improvised this. Relying on a low budget of $50,000, the movie was shot over five nights in a single location with dialogue that was largely improvised. The actor who plays Amir is also the co-writer. He was essentially the mole who helped guide scenes if the actors went astray. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he... Kept everything on point. My dog just walked over to get pet as we're, as I'm reading these. <laughs> the director, James Ward Burkett, wanted to use his own house as a setting for the movie. Since his wife was eight and a half months pregnant and wanted to do a home birth, she agreed to let him film there as long as they could do it in five days. Wow, they did it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I, if I was eight and a half months pregnant, I'd be, I'm telling you now, if you decide to film a movie or Still something at our house, it's, it's not happening. <laughs> This is a nice lady. Yeah. (laughs) The set only had five crew members, two sound guys, the director of photography, the director, and the producer. Wow. Three rental cars were used for the breaking of the glass. The windows were replaced before the cars were returned. Oh, geez. (laughs) So smashed rental car windows. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. The reason the cameras were so shaky was not so much a stylistic choice as it was giving the actors the freedom to go anywhere they wished. Basically, a lot of this movie is improvised. A lot of the directions, like literally their physical directions, 
and where they're moving is improvised. The idea for the story came from wanting to tell a story that takes place only in one room. And I think that's really cool. And it does create, um, we've talked about in our previous movie club choices with the birds and signs and other Stephen King and different films. We talked about how M. Night Shyamalan wanted to create a horror atmosphere based on like movies like The Birds and stuff where all this apocalyptic crazy stuff is happening on people who are isolated in one home. And this movie definitely creates that atmosphere as well. It's a, that's a really like classic way to do um, a horror or a thriller. And, yeah. and I think it's more personal because it's like, Ooh, like I'm in my house, you know, it's yes, not no. it's like taking place so, in Antarctica so over relatable. miles and miles. Yeah. This is a singular room set. I have a room it could have in here. Yeah. Like totally. it, it's just a normal house, like friends at a party, mm-hmm. like there are comments that fly by all the time. Yep. And that's a perfect segue into our next story about comets flying. But first of all, we're going to have a guest on the show next week named James. And he is a big fan of the movie The Vast of Night, which is on Amazon Prime. I, too, am a big fan of that movie, so that is going to be our movie club pick for this week, The Vast of Night, and it's on Amazon Prime, and it came out in 2019. For our not-such-horror fans, it's a sci-fi. It's not really, it's not really horror, and it's not too terrifying. It's a, it's a really fun movie. So here we go. We're going to get into one of my favorite topics, and very Comet-centric, because we wanted to stay on the theme of comets. Right. Let's jump into this week's story. Man, that chill in the air means more than your favorite podcast, Chillin' with Cult.Class. It also means it is the holidays. And if you or that special person on your list are looking for original, surreal, collage art and merchandise, look no further than www.cultclassart.com. Cultclassart.com has the coolest prints, shirts, notebooks, stickers, and so much more featuring the best in surreal art, as well as dedicated Chillin' with Cult.Class merch so you can show your support for this out-of-the-world podcast to the rest of the world. So, don't just go to those box stores to find lame gifts. Go to cultclassart.com now to get an original gift that keeps giving for years. And buy now with code CHILLIN. That's C-H-I-L-L-I-N to get 10% off your order, plus free shipping on all orders in the U.S. of A. ColtClassArt.com wants to thank all of you for your support and wishes everyone a safe and happy holidays, no matter where in the universe you may be. going to talk to you about the most urgent thing that is on our mind and what we suspect is the most urgent thing on the minds of those who will connect with us. We'll title this tape, uh, Planet Earth About to be Recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to 
survive or evacuate is to leave with us. For this week's scary story, spooky story, unexplained, whatever we want to call it, I chose the Heaven's Gate cult. And I'm going to forewarn anybody, this does have a tragic ending, so if you're sensitive to that, just letting you know now. A lot of people might not know that my art name is cult.class on Instagram because I studied cults in college and I have a real fascination with them, which is, again, (laughs) Nick Nick is probably like, I'm a wonderful girl to take on a date. It's like, let's watch Coherence. And by the way, I study cults. (laughs) But I was a sociology major and my concentration was in cults. I took a lot of classes on cults. I wrote my senior thesis on cults. I'm just fascinated by them. I'm most fascinated by the behavior of groups of people and cults happen to fall within that, that's sociology. And there's just nothing, there's something about cults that's so odd, but also so relatable because nobody ever joins a cult. That's my favorite lesson ever to anybody who's interested in this stuff. People join uh, fitness groups and weight loss groups and religious groups and new age groups and things that they think are going to make them feel good and they don't realize that ultimately it ends up being a cult. So nobody ever is like, I'm just going to go join this cult. I mean, that's not a very common (laughs) occurrence. So that's the odd thing about cults. It's usually it's very normal people, very smart, capable people who end up jumping into kind of odd situations and get taken advantage of by cult leaders. I picked Heaven's Gate because it heavily revolves around a comet. And because we watched Coherence last week and the comet caused so much strangeness, there was no better fit than to do Heaven's Gate for the story after discussing that movie. So my sources this week are um, allthatsinteresting.com. They always have really cool articles about weird stuff, so I definitely recommend checking that website out. Wikipedia and YouTube. Here we go. I'm going to jump into the story of the Heaven's Gate cult. Funny and charismatic, an overachiever who was on the honor roll. That's how Louise Winnett remembered her brother Marshall Applewhite, who would go on to become the Heaven's Gate cult leader. None of Applewhite's loved ones could understand how the man they knew, a friendly jester, a devout Christian, a devoted husband, and father of two, could walk away from everything to found a cult. And not just any cult, Heaven's Gate cult. Heaven's Gate was considered bizarre even among the other New Age beliefs cropping up in the 1970s. Heaven's Gate was curiously techie. It had a website before most traditional businesses did, and its beliefs were like something out of Star Trek, involving aliens, UFOs, and talk of ascension to the next level. But it also had strains of familiar. It clearly borrowed from Christianity, as Applewhite claimed to be able to save his followers from Lucifer. It was a combination that provoked laughter and ridicule more often than conversion. But somehow it did convert dozens of people. And in the end, nobody was laughing. 
Not when 39 cult members turned up dead in 1997 after a mass suicide that stunned America. Bursting through the national consciousness, Heaven's Gate instantly became infamous. Most recently explored in the HBO Max docuseries Heaven's Gate, The Cult of Cults, there's no question that the cult's story remains just as tragic and bizarre today as it was decades ago. How did the Heaven's Gate cult start? The earliest incarnation of Heaven's Gate, as the cult would eventually come to be known, began in the 1970s under the leadership of Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Marshall Applewhite was born in 1931 in Texas, and by most accounts, had a relatively normal life. Known for his musical talents, he once attempted to become an actor. When that didn't pan out, he pursued music-focused careers at universities, which appeared to be going well, but in 1970, he was allegedly fired from his job as a music professor at Houston's University of St. Thomas because he was having a relationship with one of the male students. Though Applewhite and his wife were already divorced by that point, he struggled with the loss of his job and may have even had a nervous breakdown. A couple of years later, he met Bonnie Nettles, a nurse with a strong interest in the Bible as well as a few obscure spiritual beliefs. While the true story of how Applewhite met Nettles remains murky, Applewhite's sister maintains that he entered a Houston hospital with heart trouble and that Nettles was one of the nurses who treated him. According to Applewhite's sister, Nettles convinced Applewhite that he, was, that he had had a purpose and that God had saved him for a reason. As for Applewhite himself, he would say that he was simply visiting a friend in the hospital when he, was, when he encountered Nettles. But no matter how they met, one thing was clear. They felt an instant connection and began to discuss their beliefs. By 1973, they were convinced that they were the two witnesses described in the Christian Book of Revelation, and they would prepare the way for the kingdom of heaven. It's unclear when they added UFOs and other elements of science fiction to their belief system, but this would ultimately become a huge part of what they stood for. Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles began to call themselves Bo and Peep, him and her, in Doe and T. Or do and T. Doe and T. I don't know. Yeah, Doe and, do and T. I like Doe and T. Oh, and T. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes they even went by Winnie the Pooh or Tiddly and... Winnie and the Pooh or Tiddly and Wink. I can't keep up with all these nicknames. Oh my gosh. That's not part of the article. I'm just saying that. <laughs> That's not part of what we have written down. Just a lot of nicknames. Like, what if you went to a friend and you were like, oh, call me, like, Sarah. And then, like, the next day you were like, you know what, call me Joe. And then you were like, you know what, call me Tina. Yeah, I'd walk him right into a door that will put a straight jacket on because that's a little cuckoo. <laughs> it's a little cuckoo. It's a little weird. It's a little, like, a lot to ask of somebody. It's like, look, you get one name in my book, maybe one nickname, but you're not, maybe. Yeah, you can't be changing it. You can't be changing it every day. I, I can't keep track. Anyway, okay. They shared a platonic sexless partnership. How the Heaven's Gate cult recruited followers. Once they put together their belief system, Applewhite and Nettles wasted no time advertising their new cult. Preparing presentations for potential followers all over the country, Applewhite and Nettles would distribute posters that promoted a mixture of conspiracy theories and science fiction. And yet these invitations were undeniably eye-catching. The words UFOs would often appear in big letters at the top with a disclaimer at the bottom not a discussion of UFO sightings or phenomena. I'm sleeping. <laughs> We're both just giggling. Like, why would you? Why would you put UFOs and then be like, yeah, no, no, this isn't. This isn't about UFOs. This isn't about UFOs. Let's just be clear. Yeah. 
It's just like, we're just, it's just UFOs. I don't know. For some reason, it reminds me, I don't even know why, of like the Chick-fil-A cow. You know, it's like the cow. Yeah, like, totally. Like, just go eat chicken, not beef. You know? It's, <laughs> there's like no cow it's, involved. There's, there's no cow involved, exactly. Yeah, the, the UFOs are their cow. Exactly. The poster usually claimed two individuals say they were sent from the level above human and will return to that level in a spaceship within the next few months. <laughs> I don't know. I would attend that meeting. Oh, I think I I think I would be like curious. I don't know if I'd attend it, but I'd be curious. In 1975, Applewhite and Nettles received national attention after they gave a particularly successful presentation in Oregon. In this presentation, Applewhite and Nettles promoted Heaven's Gate, then called Human Individual Metamorphosis or Total Overcomers Anonymous, with the promise that a spaceship would whisk their followers away to salvation. But first they had to renounce sex, drugs, and all their earthly possessions. And in most cases, they also needed to abandon their, their own families. Only then could they be elevated to the new world and a better life known as the evolutionary level above human, a.k.a. Tela. An estimated 150 people attended the event in Oregon. While many locals thought it was a joke at first, at least a couple dozen people were interested enough to join the cult and say goodbye to their loved ones. And again, this is my this is my really important point is just about cults. This is a personal note. There really isn't a cult out there that goes, "Hey, UFOs," and then they get you there and say, "We're a cult." I mean, no there isn't like it's not like these people got these people in a room and said, "Hey, we're a cult." You should be, you know, because yeah. cult has a negative connotation. Yeah. The cults sell themselves on 8 million other beliefs and names and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I just want to make that clear. These people that are joining aren't like, oh, a cult? Yeah, I'll join a cult. You know, it's yeah. it's just not that way. Upon. Exactly. They're looking for answers, and these people are offering answers. Through this grassroots approach, the founders of Heaven's Gate cult were able to convince more people to leave behind everything they knew, to follow them and travel with them for about two decades. It was a radical move, but for some, the choice encompassed the spirit of the decade. Many were giving up the conventional lives they had started and seeking new spiritual answers to old questions. But before long, some followers began to feel restricted by the cult's rules, as if abandoning their families wasn't enough. Members were also expected to follow strict guidelines, including no sex, no human-level relationships, no socializing. A few members, including Applewhite, who was the leader, took this rule to the extreme by undergoing castration. The followers were also expected to dress largely alike and conform to incredibly specific rules about the most mundane things. Everything was designed to be an exact duplicate, survivor Michael Conyers says. You were not to come up with, well, I'm going to make pancakes this big. There was a mixture, a size, how long you cooked it on one side, how much the burner was on, how many a person got, how the syrup was poured on it, everything. And he's literally talking about pancakes. This isn't an analogy. So they they were controlling down to something as simple as that. They also, I don't know if this is in this, uh, I can't remember if we have this included, but they also ended up looking like this, shaving their heads and um, just very physically, physical appearance, outfits, everything, pretty much identical. What we do to maintain his role as the supreme and all-knowing leader, Applewhite enforced strict regulations that would further squelch free choice. 
regimentation, daily life, measuring of food, rigid rules when they went out to the external world to work, not to interact with people. It was all to become more and more focused as if they were on a spacecraft leaving. And if you were out in the outer world, you were out of craft. If you were in the house doing routines, that was in craft. So how did a group like this once attract up to 200 members? According to former followers, Heaven's Gate was appealing because of its blend of aestheticism, mysticism, science fiction, and Christianity. Michael Conyers, an early recruit, said that the cult's message was appealing because they were talking to my Christian heritage, but in a modern, updated way. For example, Heaven's Gate apparently thought that the Virgin Mary was impregnated after she was taken up in a spacecraft. Now, as unbelievable as that sounds, that was an answer that was better than just plain virgin birth, Conyers said. It was technical and it had physicality to it. And another thing is, this is funny because Ancient Aliens, the TV show, and a lot of TV shows now, talk about this a lot. They talk about UFOs in um, religious, religion, yeah. religion, religious art, like ancient religious art, and they talk about it in religion, and they talk about it in ancient contexts. And so the ideas that... Heaven's Gate is throwing out there are actually not the most outlandish ideas. They're outlandish, but they're very part of the mainstream media at this point and mainstream like questions and Absolutely. beliefs. But before long, the cult's belief system became progressively wackier, which would eventually lead to disaster. One of the cult's major problems was that it was operating on a clock. Followers believed that if they stayed on Earth long enough, they would face recycling, the destruction of Earth as a planet would be wiped clean. At first, Nettles and Applewhite were convinced it wouldn't come to that. After all, a spaceship run by Tela beings was supposed to arrive for them long before the apocalypse happened. Fate, however, threw a wrench in their plans when Nettles died from cancer in 1985. Her death was a severe blow to Applewhite, not only emotionally, but also philosophically. Nettles' death had the potential to call into question a number of the cult's teachings. Perhaps most pressingly, why did she die before the tele-beings came to pick up the followers? It was then that Applewhite began to rely very heavily on one particular tenet of the cult's beliefs. Human bodies were merely a vessel or vehicles that were carrying them on their journey, and these vehicles could be abandoned when humans were ready to ascend to the next level. According to Applewhite, Nettles had merely exited her vehicle and entered her new home among the tele-beings. But Applewhite apparently still had work to do on this plane of existence. So he would guide his followers in the hopes that they would be reunited with Nettles once again. It was a subtle but important shift in the cult's ideology, and it would have far-reaching and dangerous consequences. Again, just to go back to cults, they don't usually start totally terrifying or totally um, preaching this kind of stuff. So these are these subtle, small changes. So we're going from like, oh, a Christian kind of sci-fi uh, belief system, kind of weird, but whatever, into these like dangerous, dark places, especially po apocalyptic cults, because it's like there has to be an end time. They preach that there's an end time. I think that's what David Crash and Waco did too. Mm. Or maybe, I'm, maybe that's somebody else. Or Jones, whatever. Uh, if they're preaching that there's like some kind of, re like they're talking about revelation or yeah. uh, an end time of some sort, then, and it doesn't come, then the validity of their belief system and what they're preaching yeah, is called into question. So this is, so we're spiraling into a darker place with um, Heaven's Gate. 
Members of Heaven's Gate believed that suicide was wrong, but their definition of suicide was far different from the traditional one. They believed that true meaning of suicide was turning against the next level when it was offered to them. Tragically, this fatal offer was made in March 1997. It's not clear exactly where Applewhite got the idea that there was a UFO trailing behind Hale-Bopp the brilliant comet that was about to make an appearance during this time, but he couldn't let this idea go. For some reason, Applewhite saw it as a sign. According to him, it was the only way to evacuate this Earth. The spaceship behind Hale-Bopp was apparently the flight that the Heaven's Gate members had been waiting for all along. It was coming to take them to the higher place that they were seeking. And the comet was coming just in time. If they waited any longer, Applewhite was convinced that the Earth was going to be recycled while they were still on it. Colt had sent letters and videotaped messages via FedEx to several old friends. Let me say that our mission here at this time is about to come to a close in the next few days. <clears throat> we came from distant space and even what some might call somewhat of another dimension and we're about to return from whence we came. And then this is where it kind of gets sad, just letting people know. But definitely very tragic. The 39 active Heaven's Gate cult members had already used the money they made from designing web pages, the cult's primary source of income, to rent a mission near San Diego. They decided that's, that would be the place where they left their vehicles, so their bodies. Starting on about March 22nd or March 23rd, the 39 cult members ate applesauce or pudding that had been laced with a heavy dose of barbiturates. Uh, some washed it down with vodka. So they had a whole system of how they ended up committing this mass suicide, and if you want, you can look it up. Um, but after the authorities were alerted via an anonymous tip on March 26th, they found the 39 bodies laying neatly in bunk beds and other resting places dressed in identical black tracksuits and Nike sneakers and covered in purple shrouds. The anonymous tipster was later revealed to be a former member who had left the group just a few weeks beforehand and received a disturbing package of videotaped farewells from the group. There was a lot of press coverage and media coverage after all of this, of course. Um, a lot of people remember it as like the cult, the mass suicide with the matching sneakers. You can look up, there's a lot of documentaries, there's a lot of YouTube videos, there's a lot of articles about this stuff if you want to learn more about just the details of everything. Heaven's Gate still has four living members who survived only because they were instructed to run the group's website in the mid-1990s and have been doing so ever since. Uh, they still believe the cult's teachings and they claim to be in contact with the 39 members who died. Heavy. And there, there, I did see Vice, I think, has an article where they talk to the four remaining members. So you guys can look that up as well. Heavy. Yeah. Very heavy. There's also uh, a few different interviews from a, different, a couple different outlets on the guy who did the tip. Oh, they interviewed the guy who, who left the cult that yes. they sent. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I've wanted to cover this cult because it's it's just an infamous cult. Yes, it's, yeah. It's probably like probably top one. 10 most famous cults. For sure. Definitely because of the suicide component. Um, it is dark. It is sad. It is a good study on 
uh, how cults come to be and mm-hmm. and what people are willing to do for answers and um, and how people prey on people like that. Yeah, uh, I think at one point Apple White claimed he had cancer and like. Uh, I gotta look into that, but he, I know that he was coming up with some crazy things at the end too to get people really into this idea that they were gonna ride the uh, spaceship after the yeah. comet. So I couldn't find any stories uh, when I was researching for coherence about people who actually reacted to comets, like she says oh, in the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. But then I thought this is a really good story about a comet that is, you know, that is. Uh, true and i don't know i just find it uh it's this one's really really sad for sure follow me if you will to a magical town where it is always halloween thanks to a witch's curse A town where leaves and escaped pages of the local Sentinel newspaper blow in the wind. A town where a distant radio can be heard playing 96.6 WOLF on its sinister speakers. A town where TV sets are tuned to cable access channel 20 WARY to watch the Monster Channel. In a town where the mayor has been serving his creepy citizens for 355 years now. This is sundown, so please come visit us and stay forever. definitely you know talk about more cults as we we do this podcast we won't always just talk about ufos or ghosts <laughs> again there is the hbo max uh documentary on it too that outlines it really really well yeah uh we watched that a long time ago again <laughs> we'll stick with the theme of you being a great person to date because <laughs> we've watched probably every uh do- cult documentary and i say we as in me dragging Nick into watching every... I'd probably already watched them and made him watch them again. Um, Anyway, that's the story of Heaven's Gate, the cult. There are definite pillars of cults, so I don't want to freak you guys out like, well, geez, I joined the gym last week and they're pretty intense or something. Um, There are are, uh, pillars that have been studied, you know, a charismatic leader... Um, that really, really tight control, leaving your family, uh, losing your financials, investing all your financials in the in the cult yeah. and being expected to do so, deprivation of sleep, an us versus them mentality, this apocalyptic thinking, absolute control of all your time and energy as a member. Uh, there are very specific, very, very specific pillars. Totally. It gets, it gets, there's gray areas, but you know. 
go to the gym. <laughs> join your join your book clubs and stuff. Don't be freaked out. And uh, that's Heaven's Gate. We'll talk about more cults in the future. On a lighter note, we're going to have some awesome guests coming up. I can't wait. I've been working on scheduling guests through 2023, and there's some like, oh my gosh. I can't wait to talk to all these people. So exciting. Uh, thank you again to Junior for our last interview. So if you didn't awesome. listen to episode 23, check it out, because that's the first interview that we've done on this um, podcast, and that was just so fun and so cool. You can follow my art at cult.class on Instagram. You can follow the podcast and DM us at chillingwithcult.class. And you can always email chillingwithcultclass at gmail.com. And I just so appreciate you guys. You send me really funny memes and really great messages <laughs> and good stories. If you got good listener stories, send them my way. Um, if you have requests for guests for the show, let me know. And thank you to my wonderful husband, Nick, for always being here. And for helping me research cults and supporting my strange interests. Always will be here. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's all I have for this week. So we'll see you guys next Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard.